The following is a part of the Radio Memphis On Demand service. It originally aired live on Radio Memphis and has been edited for time. Here in the Nooner, we are uh, thrilled to, uh, by the uh, presence of our guest today, uh, Dr. Alfonso Sanders is here. How you doing, doctor? Oh, that's a great day. You know, and already made it even greater with some of the things I just heard. <laughs> <laughs> We're here to help and inform. <laughs> yes, can, yes, yeah. no. Quite informative. <laughs> Quite informative, yes, yes. How you doing, sir? Good, yeah, good. I'm uh, just getting finished with uh, a thing that uh, that kind of landed in my lap. It was a, a blues civil rights tour group. Oh, uh, oh wow. So yeah. uh, maybe that will catch on and uh, yeah. get a chance to take people from other places in the United States and right. maybe uh, from out of the U.S. Yeah. as they come in and want to know more about things, take them into right. homes and churches and the community and yeah. not just a sightseeing tour. Right, some right, right. Interactions the, that go along with it. Yeah, you don't think much about it, but uh, at least it's not on the surface because we're already too busy having fun listening to the music or playing it, but the connection between blues specifically and the civil rights movements, it, yeah. it's, it's deep. Yeah, yeah and, that, and that's really what, when, you know, when the B.B. King Museum is very instrumental in and allowing me to be as organic as I can, right, you know, right, be, yeah. be creative in that source. And so I work uh, closely with uh, Robert Terrell, who's the chief operating, uh, you know, operations officer mm -hmm. guy there. Yeah. And uh, so we've got a chance to give people a little closer view at what the Delta especially is all about. Yeah. Well, yeah, well, I that's, think that's important. It is. It's for very people important. to see yeah. and, and understand. You know, heritage is, is everything, yeah, and yeah. Uh, especially when you can tie it to something like music. Mm -hmm. You know, that's that's important. It's yeah. very important because you you know, education is your main backbone, isn't it? Right. Yeah. Kind of stumbled into it, but it grew on me as I as I developed. You know, a, a deep a different consciousness about it because yeah. you know, and, and I could talk for for days about. What, what I think education should be. Well, yeah, you know, it's a, that, I, I agree. <laughs> We're all on the yes, same page oh, on yes. that deal. Yeah. But, but I think I think at the core of it, if, if we could get back to a simple factor, and uh -huh. that is apprenticeship, we just have yeah, lost, yeah. We've lost. We've lost the connection between what it is. Yeah. So we're teaching these mass concepts about what it is, right, and we're right. losing. We're just losing. Kids are going to sleep. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. Because they can find out more outside of the classroom right, than they, than they can, can in. in. Right, right. What was it we were talking about with public education? Sort of the goal of it is just to make kids less stupid. Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. You know, sure. and trying to get him to cope with cope so with yeah. society. <laughs> yeah, as, to as opposed through. to trying to improve it. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. You know, yeah. here we are, and here we are. Yeah, but I, but I think I'm very fortunate to be a part of the arts. You yeah, know, yeah. Uh, and, and I think they they go hand in hand with so many other things. Oh, but, God, yes. But I always think about those histories when the U.S. started stripping, you know, the classrooms of many of the, the you know, the art programs, and oh, music man. programs. And, and Killing you, them all over and, the place. And you're losing quality, right. you know, uh, because I always thought that, and I, and I told students a lot, you know, it's one thing to be certified, which you can get by jumping hoops. 
But to be qualified, you're going to have to put forth some effort yes. to be that thing. Yeah. yeah. It's different from wearing, There is a difference. You, know, yeah. you wear a T-shirt to say I'm one thing, but yeah, right, right. You know, what are you going to do? It helps to educate yourself before yeah. you get in there and try and pass that information on yeah. to some, you know, impressionable youngsters. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, over the years, there have been studies done oh. that show so how the arts, specifically music, oh, yeah. uh, helps students yeah we, we ignore a lot of things oh we, tons we, of it we always hang something out and chase it yeah yeah in life and it comes back down to that that money value right of the sort. right it doesn't doesn't bother yeah. many of our leaders to see the demise of of our youth really right you right know, or the mental demise yes. maybe they're, they're, right they're being right here physically yeah in many yeah. ways well, it turns into a problem, and we're living it now, where communities and societies in general are having to deal with troubled youth, and there's just more and more of it, as opposed to giving them a proper outlet in, a, in an right, education, like right. music or the arts. And, and, and like like the place that I now play at Napa Cafe. Yes. Right? Yeah, or Sanderlin. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah, over on Sanderlin there, uh, uh, Glenda Hastings, uh -huh. the owner, she's doing quite a, a bit. And, and I was glad to know of her involvement with uh, Stacks mm -hmm. and the youth there. So she does a lot to promote the arts in that fashion. And I'm very fortunate I get a chance to play there uh, most Fridays and Saturdays, unless I'm out doing something, you know, right, on the road right. or, you know, a larger project right. of this yeah. sort. Yeah. So beautiful people come through. You know, I get a chance to play some of the things I like, as well as trying to find out what the audience likes. and uh, We keep a kind of an atmospheric yeah. thing going on, yeah, and then yeah. sometimes it gets a little rowdy as the night goes on. Well, sure, so, that's so. kind of a thing. That's always fun, though, yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah, so... So is it you in a rhythm section? Is that is that how this works? Well, it's, it's a... I have... It's a, uh, I guess my music area is kind of a small space. I do it by myself. I, oh, I, really? I, oh, okay. I have, I have tracks that I've arranged. Yeah. Using, uh, you know, computer resources, and I, and I stereo it out. And, and then the, play with so, it. So, yeah, the, the, tr the tracks are quality recordings, and, and the arrangements, of course, they're not karaoke style because right. no, nobody could come up and just say, let me sing with you unless they right. really are good musicians. Yeah. Well, yeah. Because they wouldn't know the form. Right. And they, right. Would, they wouldn't right. hear the cues right. on, a, on a standard tune because they're not there. They're not there. Yeah. Right. So Because yeah. you do your, your accompaniment for you. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so right. Very, very original. And, and, and then I noticed that the more I've done them, the more people get used to hearing them that way. Right. And then sometimes they now recognize what's, that, you know, right, what's right. about to happen. Uh, but I like it. And well, and for you as a player, that that's good because that track is going to be the same thing every time. Every time. And my, my influences are different. You know, I started to, to build resources by learning to play blues from different angles, and especially some of the, the jazz information yeah, that I have yeah. in my background. So it allows me to take those tunes that are, that are basic to the R&B side or to, you know, in, like some of the Stax recordings. Right, so doing right. some Al Green, I could easily transform it into something a little more jazz-oriented. Right, and many, right. many people have been doing that for years. Oh, yeah. But it's just yeah. that you can get your own colors when you yeah. sit there and think about it. Yeah, I like it when art. Oh, go ahead, Rick. I was going to say no because jazz is vastly different from just straight blues. I mean, there's oh yeah, it's a whole different world. And like you were talking about with the colors that come and the textures of, of these sounds, yeah. you know, I I uh, 
Oh God, one of the one of our old, our old favorites, Doctor Herman Green. You oh, know, prime yes. example of that. Man, I mean, they, what a, what a patriarch! Oh my God, yeah. yes. Uh, and many, many others. Memphis has an incredible history. I mean, going all the way back to, you know, finest newborn, as he was mm-hmm. called. Yeah, you know, yeah. And, and of course, you know, then you've got uh, the, the the legacy, you know, of the James Williams and Mulgrew Miller came right, through here, right. which we became very good friends over the years, just just because I was there in the Delta and got to know him very right, well. right. How come? What would be your estimation? What? Why isn't jazz as big of a thing here as it used to be? I think the popularity of commercialization. I mean, you is know, that really what it is? Yeah, you, you got to have spots to play, and then if people are not coming out to support the venues, then they can't sell the food, they can't sell the drinks. So you have to compete with the places that do draw the yeah. popular demands right. in the music world. But then I, I think that, I think, I was reading an article, you know, jazz is starting to look pretty promising here. Yeah, again. it's starting yeah. to slip yeah. back into the consciousness, yeah. Well, I, think, I think people don't know. And and so, like Charles Lloyd finally got him to come back. You know, yeah. George Coleman is still yeah. one of the yeah. great ones. Right. Yeah. Uh, so you go on and on. And then, of course, people don't know Book a Little and, was and those guys were in BB King's band and right, his, his yeah. early band members yeah, that kind of yeah. helped him formulate a lot sure. of things. Right, right. And, and and people don't know like uh, Robert Lockwood Jr. Yes, was very instrumental in BB's life. As a matter of fact, it's known that he kind of started BB with the with the concept of getting his guitar thing together. Really, and yeah. encouraged people who were trying to get BB marketed to say he needs a band. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. he he didn't play very well in time by himself. Sure, yeah. You know? And today, BB doesn't. Well, he never played simultaneously where he played the guitar and sang. He'd always it was sang either one or the other. other. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. And right. He'd always play those beautiful yes. BB King. That, that one note, yes. yes. yeah, that yes. one Master. note, and the way yeah. he played it. Yeah. Is, he, you know. he mastered sound. I, I, oh, yeah. if, I, if I could get my instrument to do that. <laughs> and it, yeah, like Miles Davis asked a question, say, uh, you know, can you play what you want to play? Can you, yeah. can you, do you, can, do you hear? And so that gives you your, your, I guess your basic concept that it's right. not about all the notes, but can you play what you want to play? Right. Right. You hear it here, and then you try and make it happen here, and then there's a there's a there's a that's a Disconnect long distance between yeah, you know, head yeah. and heart, you know. And there, there are a lot of there are a lot of good jazz musicians still here in Memphis, but they have you know had to deal with the music that they play to make the money that yeah. they need to make to survive sometimes. Right. The, 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 well, you say jazz, then what is that? Basically? Well, right. You remember so in the nineties yeah. when when all that. Uh, modern contemporary jazz was out and there were radio stations smooth jazz yeah. and it was stuff like Kenny, Kenny G, G. Yeah. and I, when yeah when we got a smooth jazz station in, in Houston I was like oh far out I turned it on and it was Kenny G and I went it's like what is this garbage this isn't jazz yeah. what is this man well you know of a sort as things develop and they give them titles then it's a form of the music yeah. you know, right like, right like Kenny G he actually brought a consciousness to go out and, and start somewhere to listen to it. Sure. And some people were able to go back right. far enough in history to see where... It became a good jumping off point. Right, and, where he know. came from. Yeah. And of course, if 
you can't be mad with him because no, oh, no, 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 no. He's a different, he's a different way of looking at the, yeah, the yeah. world through a different lens. But I don't get a chance to play much, you know, uh, smooth jazz. Yeah, you know, the cool yeah. side of it, as they called it. You know, it's a little bit different. But people don't get it too deep in the right. terminologies. I think we do it to define what we think we're doing. Right, right. Know? Yeah, so, I have, uh, I have some music uh, from you. Um, I'd like to get one of the one of the, one of the songs on. Yeah, let's do that, and maybe. And then we'll come back and chat some which, more. Which one are you thinking about doing? I don't know which one Here's you want. We got here. We got those those um, these right here. I don't know. Maybe maybe if you want to hear my influences into the into the the, the jazz side, maybe you can play either. Uh, I don't mind dreaming, you know, or say thanks, and I could talk about those. All right. Well, let's play I Don't Mind Dreaming, and we'll come back and chat about that and have some more fun. Does that work for you? Okay, good. Well, here it is. This is uh, Dr. Alfonso Sanders right here at Radio Memphis.
That's awesome. I get what you're saying wow. now. Yeah. Yeah. Thank, you. Thank you. That is wonderful. I don't <laughs> mind dreaming there. Uh, from the Mississippi Influences record, is that is that's your latest one? Is that right? No, that's not. That, that's that's one of actually one of the early ones. One of the earlier ones. Right. Oh my god! So I just started collaborating after that with a lot of other projects. But you don't yeah. talk about you know apprenticeship. That was recorded on the campus at Mississippi Valley State University. Really? And I was serving as a, the uh, director for the BB King Recording Studio yeah. at that time. And so I have students on that project doing like from the from the vocal. Side, right, right. You know, yeah. uh, have uh, players. Yeah. You know, but I use some, use some, you know, professional guys too. Right. Right. Sure, sure. But uh, but they were involved in the project, yeah. and so it made yeah. them more aware of what was, you know, what what the studio was all about. You know, the tracking, of course. And that was my first attempt to just to start adding vocal right, into my right. into, into your into work. My, yeah, my work, and I was a little bit intimidated because I, I know so many great vocalists and it was hard for me to imagine myself singing. <laughs> and so I, I, I did it still a little apprehensive about it sometimes but I do a better job at it now. Well, yeah, yeah. well, there, there's a thing about that as an artist if you can step outside of your comfort zone a little bit you really find where your, your artistic you know, proclivities lie. Right. Yeah. And I think you're talking about Memphis I mean, you're talking about a history of you know, Ray Charles and Hank Crawford yeah. and the other guys coming out. And then the, the, the major influence, if you talk about modern or, or popular jazz, you know, is, is Kirk Whalum. Oh, yeah. Uh, God, who, yes. Who has given us a very unique look at at his his voice, you oh, know, yeah. in terms of the saxophone, yeah. period. But uh, and I think I think he stands out for me. You know, in terms of what I've done, I'm a trumpet player by study, and I still oh, play. Oh, really? Yeah, I still play trumpet, but saxophone became one of those things. I had an injury to my lip at a point, and that's what led me to become an educator. I, I never intended to be a teacher, teacher guy. Right, right. But when I couldn't play, of course, you you need a job. Right, right. The way I understood it, so I finished a degree in music education and then I got another degree in music education and then I got my doctorate in music education. education yeah. It just seemed to have been a net if you wanted yeah. to walk on the tightrope. <laughs> you, you, you had something. Oh, God. Something you I, I know. Yes. Yes. Sedell yes. Davis, uh, a famous bluesman from Arkansas, um, got he contracted polio as a young man and he oh, was yeah. a violin player and it affected his hands. The polio did, and he became basically unable to play anymore. Right. But he famously, he learned to play guitar by taking a butter knife and draping it over the top of the neck and using it as a slide. Slide, right. Rather weirdly out of key, but it was but it was yeah. fascinating. Yeah. I mean, we play it every yeah. once in a while here. But he yeah. said, if it's in you, it's got to come out. Yeah. And that's that's one of the things that I've learned. I tell, I t well, I, I continue to tell students that I meet you know, if you can get out of the arts, run from them because it's too much time. You got to be by yourself. You got to yeah. practice. Yeah. You know, uh, religiously, as yes. they say. It and gets so, into your but head. It, yeah, but yeah, yeah. It, yeah. But if it's in you, eh, you just like trying to run from your shadow. It's That's just right. not going to happen. No, you know, you'll right. end up doing something or be very, very. Uh, uh, Poor. uneasy about <laughs> miserable <laughs> chasing it or yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Well, yeah, but that's just it. Those dreams when you know we were talking about when you hear it in your head, 
and you know it's there, and musically it's sound, and you're 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 playing it, and it, you're you're able to make that connection between instrument and and head and soul. That's that's true yeah. art there. Yeah, and 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 the thing that I think I've learned most from this journey that I'm on is that you don't have to be the next popular item. You just need to find what you're able to do and right. use it in the territory that you live in. And then if those things happen through productions, promotions, and they all come about, then, you know, kudos, you know, right. if, if that right. happens for you. But sometimes we find ourselves uh, chasing something that that consumes our life and then we forget about the mission of art and right, we just start trying right. to do something else which takes us further and further away from ourselves. Yeah. And I think that's that's important for me because I, I used to think about that when I lost my ability to play trumpet. I thought, man, this is not fair. But then I picked up saxophone by teaching students and then all of a sudden, 20-something years later, I had the ability to play trumpet again. And then I right said, well, on, what, yeah. what does that mean? Well, I never would have ventured into being a multi-instrumentalist. Right, I never right. would have done it. I don't think I would have. Yeah, because you know you you want to you want to learn to play an instrument as a as a you know kind of a quote unquote jazz player you know right, right. and so you want to get to the piano as fast as you can mm. which consumes a lot of your time learning the theory and so right. forth but then learning other instruments it, that started to consume my time and when I got to the Delta I remember. Um, Looking at the harmonica players, and, and Willie Foster was one of the oh first. Oh, my God, Willie Foster was yeah, something, man. Yeah, he was man. one of the first guys that I met in a little place there in Cleveland. He's the airport groceries. Yeah, the, yeah that, the record that was made it, there it, that yeah. Brad Webb did down yeah, there. It was, yeah, it was down off the highway. They moved it, of yeah. course. Now it's not the same place. But I remember being on stage with him and listening to harmonica, and I thought, you know, I thought that maybe harmonica was fairly easy to do, oh. but, <laughs> I thought so but, I, but I thought I thought that, well, but then when I listened to all the nuances and what they were doing, I said, there's got to be something that the player has coming deeper than just the oh, idea yeah. of blow, like any instrument, basically, right, but right. harmonica is just so easy to get a sound out of. It the, is. The kids pick them up and it's deceiving. So I started following that with a different consciousness, and then I've got a harmonica and uh, start trying to develop some things and realize that I didn't know what was going on. I was, I was, I was you know, you go back and say, well, man, I'm going to listen to Sonny Boy Williamson and I'm going I'm gonna, I'm gonna to figure this out. Well, I had a student that came through from uh, the country, yeah. Georgia, yeah. and he was a, quite the blues chaser and he had extraordinary flute ability, played guitar, and, and he played harmonica very well. Uh, yeah, Levin Lord Kipanitsa was his name. Yeah. Right? And so I see him sometime out on he's back in uh -huh. his in his country. He spoke spoke six or seven languages. Wow. And he was one, oh, wow. He's one of those guys yeah. that, that everybody would say, Well, but you know, we don't know if, if if he can make it through school. I said, Well, he can. And he followed me through that through the pattern and he got out of school, but he was already somebody that we should have been listening to and, and finding out what he knows, too. And I always tell students, you know more than you think, so share with your instructors, right. especially me, because yeah. I'd like to know what you know. 
and then we can do maybe go a little further. Well, it helps right, tailor right. tailor an education a little bit. But I mean, he gave me yeah. tips on the harmonica, and I started doing it, and eventually I would keep it in the car when I'm driving. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> I started having all these private moments, you know. At a stoplight somewhere, yeah, you're yeah, just blowing like, along yeah. there. Yeah, it's yeah. funny. Uh, years ago, I heard an interview. You remember Huey Lewis in the news? Oh, yeah. Huey used to be a truck driver, yes. apparently. yes. And he said that's where he learned to play the harmonica. Yeah, he yeah. said, I, you know, it was easy to do. Yeah. I could drive. And he goes, I had it in my truck all the time. Yeah. And that's where he learned how to play. Yeah, it's ama amazing <laughs> what, what we can do when you start realizing that it's possible. Yes. And you have to just always believe in that thing, man. But I, you know, I tried that once with bass. No, it, it doesn't work. really hard way, yeah. driving down the road oh, and trying no, to no, practice yeah. the bass. You got that just, thing hanging out the window. Yeah, the it, was, it was nice. Knocked the headstock off of that work. thing. Yeah. Did not work at all. <laughs> well, make sure we say to your present insurance company, you do not do that anymore. No, no I don't. No. <laughs> Correct. Correct. Thank you for that. <laughs> yes. That's cool, man. <laughs> Were you drunk? No, I was trying to play some Jack up a story. Yeah, right, here, right. right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's fun stuff, man. Um, so I understand you played at the 96 Summer Olympic Game. Yeah. Well, as a part of a, an ensemble. Well, yeah, I didn't think you Don't were. Don't knock like, yeah. it down, man. That's pretty damn cool. I didn't do that. Yeah, it was, it, that was an interesting time. You know, that was a time to bomb thing. Yes, yeah. right. It was like uh, we that was know, in we Atlanta, know, wasn't it? Yeah, in yeah. Atlanta. We didn't yeah. know what was happening. And, of course, Atlanta is my home, my mother, which I'm going to visit. You know, here shortly. You know, yeah. my, my family is still there. Yeah. And uh, but it was a it was a good time for me, uh, uh, traveling. Uh, actually, traveling back out of Europe yeah. at that time, and we landed back in Atlanta and uh, to do that concert. I I remember very very well. You know, big band charts. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. But uh, but being there, the activity was just, it was so much going on. Oh, I know, bet. I oh, I can imagine. Atlanta's big opportunity right right to do it uh a lot of controversy in the city about how it went down but right. it still gave a, a, a new life to a lot of things that still exist you know the, yeah. the park areas right you know, right yeah. yeah and so i i think that maybe i could call that one of the big highlights of, of many performances that, yeah. I, that i did i don't know how well i was playing at the time right. but <laughs> I'm sure you were fine, or they wouldn't have had you there. Yeah. I don't know. I'm looking. I'm looking at a list of all the people you've played with over the years. Yeah, and, man. Uh, that's uh, that's there, there's no slouch in here anywhere on that list. Uh -uh. A lot of them were. A lot of them were. You know, moments like you know, some of them, some of them planned and unplanned, but. Uh, still, I have relationships with you know those people today. I miss honey, I miss the ones who are gone. Yeah, you know? Honey Boy Edwards. Yeah, Honey Boy Ben Payton. If you guys can get a hold of Ben Payton's music, it's worth listening. I think he was he was to me he was he was the epitome of what what a modern blues sound should sound like really? without losing the characteristics right, of. Right. The early guys, you know, because he understood that as a guitarist and a vocalist, yeah. and he wrote so many imagine, imaginative uh, lyrics. I yeah, mean, just, yeah. You know, like he was—he had these things about this girl, like his one tune where this girl is coming in the club and want to dance, and he said she she's she's shaking her body like a like a like. Like like she's got fleas like a hound dog. You know? 
<laughs> but it's just the way you visualize. That's awesome. Like you visualize this <laughs> woman who's trying to get rid of fleas off her body. That's in awesome. The club, you know. I would imagine though, with you know you <laughs> as a as a working touring musician, and you get to play with people like that. That you yeah. that become that forms part of your education as well it, too. Oh, it is. You know, it's an apprenticeship. It that, is. That's that what I was going to say. It's an apprenticeship. A big factor of, of keeping your eyes open and listening. You know, yeah, to, you can't teach that in school. You can't. No, teach we that call in that class. a Rhodes Scholar. R O A D. Rhodes. You talk about harmonica. I mean, uh, Corey Bell. Yeah. Mean, like the, the great. I mean, you know, meeting him. Just I remember in Lucerne, Switzerland, once mm -hmm. playing a blues festival, mm -hmm. and I I'll never forget it because. We had done the IBC here with a guy by the name of David Lee Doran. We were encouraged from the Delta. He played at Club Ebony every Sunday. Yeah. And uh, he he was a guy, very, very comical guy. And, and, and of course, he was one of, the, one of the ones that I, you know, miss dearly at times. But David had a very high-pitched voice. And uh, he told me one time, I said, David, what's the blues, David? He said, Fonzo, the blues... Is when you work all week long, you take your money, bring it home, and give it to your woman, and she turn around and give it to another man. No! Yeah. <laughs> I said, well, David, that's, well, that's, that's like, almost like somebody's going to get killed. Yeah, man, yeah. no. <laughs> but he, he said it was always about something about a relationship. Yeah. He said the blues, yeah. you know, when human beings involved, he said the blues is bound to be there. Yeah, Sun yeah. House said something along those lines, too. Yeah. I think he said it was between man and woman. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. and I think it was the way he had put it. And, yeah, and yeah well. That's, that's it. But those guys, they gave, gave me experiences that I could you, you can't get them by reading about it. You have to be there. Or, or listening to a lecture or right, sitting no, in a classroom. Right. You're not going to. Yeah, you're right. Because you're, you're in that environment while it's happening. And, you know, on the jazz side. Many people will know Bear Harris because he uh -huh. just just died not too long ago, and I worked with you know a guy that teaches me theory, uh, Danny Harper over in Birmingham, which has a great legacy of musicians just like Memphis, basically. Yeah. But uh, Cleve Eaton, of course, uh -huh. one of the staples from the Basie organization years oh, wow. playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he's one of the guys still there, but. Uh, 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 but I was listening to Barry talk about on a on a. Uh, just a, a, a basic talk and he was saying he couldn't understand why the teachers who were trying to bring, bring jazz into the educational system he said I never understood why they never asked us anything he said we were all alive Bud Powell he started naming a list of yeah. all oh, yes. the great players and he said, right. well, he said but they never asked us anything they just kept making it up I think in his mind like we could have told you how this works. Right. Yeah. You know, in the theory, what the flat six really means. Mm. And what. But so now Barry became noted as one of the great and probably the last of the uh, great teachers. Yeah. You know, yeah. music. Yeah. <coughs> excuse me. Oh, no, no. no yeah, excuse me. Yeah. So, you know, when you think about that, I, I'll always think that education is missing the greatest opportunity because it no longer allows the greatest minds to be a part of education. We, we, yeah. we base it on money and then you can't pay the great people That's right. so they leave the classroom. That's yeah. right, man. Yeah, that, and God, you know, just to, 
have, that's why one of the things that we I really love about being in a place like this is to is to sit down and talk with guys like you who yeah. are yeah. doing this or and have these wonderful experiences that you can share and you know we don't know who's listening right now that's mm-hmm. going to sit there and go oh I, I yeah, get it right, you know right. yeah. I need to look at this I need to go to that or mm-hmm. you know and it and it's interesting because right there in the city of Indianola you have you know public schools that are in need of a lot of things and community people are withdrawn to the point that they don't really know what's going on. So you have to get back involved. And sometimes that apprenticeship doesn't have to be people from afar who who become celebrities. It could actually be people who are in those communities that know things and the school systems would have to let them be a part of it. But when that, when your day-to-day routine is so crammed, with getting through the day right, and making right. sure the yeah. students don't harm themselves. Yeah. You know, yeah. then you don't have outlets for creativity. No, no. Yeah. That's and, right. and I know, and, and right now, like for like Gentry High School, for instance, there in Indianola, mm. has a, a great art program. Uh, a teacher by the name of uh, Mrs. Whitfield, who works with the students, and now they're finding daylight. So she has them in the shows doing things that the students right, would right. not have ever done right. in the, class, not been for, in, in the yeah. classroom. You have yeah. to make connections with that. Right, you know? right. Yeah. Well, far too often we have spoken to, you know, veterans of the business from, from way back mm-hmm. that started when they were kids in, you know, high school. They were they were getting into, into you know, Howard Grimes used to talk oh, about yeah, this. yeah, yeah, yeah. When he was 15, 16 years old, they'd, they'd sneak him through the kitchen and they'd put him up on the stage and he got to, you know... I think it was his music director, I think, was, yeah. was one of his teachers, but had a band mm-hmm. and gave Howard a chance to come sit up there and play with him. Yeah. I mean, that's the greatest educator is yeah. experience. Yeah. And, you know. Yeah, we, we, we've out-certified ourselves. We, you're yeah. correct. We just, everything is so somebody else can yeah. sign it. Yeah. And yeah. the more signatures you got, the more confusing it's probably right. going to be in yeah. the end. Yeah. But we, we, can't, we can't get away from it because then you're talking about administrative jobs that right. that you really don't need but and I've been an administrator and I always looked at my role and said well I'm not really going to be able to to follow this trend because there are too many things to do on this level yeah. that has nothing to do with my job title right, right? so when right. you start looking at what needs to be done Based That's on your job point. title, right? You realize the title really needs to just go sit down. Yeah, here right, while right. We go go to work. You know, yeah, sure. We sure. do things, but many people live under those titles, which means they have to come up with ways to keep the title. Right. And then they get farther and farther away from the reality of what they really should be doing. That's right. And, that's right. And that's just my spill on it. But, oh. And I hope everybody I agree is with you, though. You know? Man, I really do. Yeah. I, well, it's, it's blunt having truth that needs to be said. Yeah. yeah. And having been in the trenches and. and I, yes. Yeah, well, you, know, yeah. you definitely know what, yeah, I'm, what I'm talking about. I do. About, I uh, really do. Bureaucracy. Yeah. At the, yeah. At, be- oh. at its best. At its best. <laughs> oh, yes. Um, how about let's play another record here and then we'll chat a little bit more and then uh, I want to hear you play. Yeah. yeah well, let's, let's, I tell you what, uh, let's go to, to the blues side and listen to uh, uh, a bass line crafted by Jerry Jamont. He was a close friend of mine, still is. He'll be here in. in uh, the, the first week in May to get an award. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, along with uh, some others. That, that, uh, but Jerry was one of the great ones. And when I asked him, I said, Jerry, why don't you, you know, do a, do a bass track on the song? And it's called Mississippi, uh, if you got that one. I have it right here. Yeah. Well, let's listen to Mississippi. And, well, let's and, listen to that, and, and then we, we're going we're gonna to chat a little bit more with uh, Alfonso Sanders. So here you go, right here at Radio Memphis. Mm-hmm. 
hell of a groove right there. Yeah, it is, uh, isn't that nice? Yeah, Alfonso Sanders and, uh, and oh, company. Thank you, man. Uh, well, this is a team of guys on there, you know, that just makes it happen. So, is it is it collaborative with you uh, when you're when you're working with uh, guys like that? And so, like, you come in with an idea, and then they're like, "Hey, we're going right. to do this. We're going to well, do that." Or in this particular case, you know, there was a there was a talking about students. There was a young student that. Uh, we ended up hiring to to do engineering. He was yeah. working. Well, he was actually working with an engineer, uh, Daryl Dickerson, who mm-hmm. was out of New Orleans. And Daryl, of course, gave me. He said, "I'll give you five years, you know, maybe six. But he stayed with me for for five years yeah. at the school. And and fortunately, the timing was when Katrina hit. Oh, he man. was able to really come on up to the Delta from New Orleans because he was down working with uh, the Marcellus family and so yeah, forth yeah. with the Noka School of right, Music right. down there. But he came up and spent, spent five years getting the studio under control, getting all the right gear, putting the things in places. And so the young student was working under him was Jimmy Lee Jr. Uh-huh. And Jimmy, extraordinarily talented kid, you know, played keyboards and so he helped, you know, I give him ideas and I said, well, I need this, this. And so he would, we would sit there and work the, the, the fundamental things out. Then we'd bring the other musicians in right, and I right. would tell him, you know, who I wanted on the tracks. And I just put together the team. So we kind of co-produced of a sort, you know, his yeah. arrangements. You know, and this is all charted stuff, or was it all improv? We, we yeah, we did it. We did we charted it out up in our minds through rehearsing it. Right. And then we, so very few things. We put some things on paper so the other yeah. musicians knew what the chords right, right. would be. Yeah, because you got some interesting changes happening. Yeah, there are yeah. really and, interesting. And so changes. I would tell tell Jimmy what my changes are. Yeah. And then sometimes I would go as far as to say, well, you know, what do you think? You know. Yeah. About here. Yeah. And so that's that's a blues. Kind of with a bridge, as we as well, you know, and so on on the Mississippi thing. But that's you know basically what we do is get in. We were able to get in there and create without wasting a lot of time. Um, but it all yeah, time is money in the arts, yeah, man. That's is. the way it is. Yeah, I, I remember even in that studio talking about apprenticeship. Daryl was so connected uh, with the world. Uh, there's a there was a a, a couple. Married couple by the name of Dave and Lisa uh, uh, Hampton mm-hmm. out in L.A. who did a lot of tracks for a lot of people. Really? Oh yeah, they they I mean from Stevie Wonder down to who knows who, right? And of course, I I was good friends with um, Benjamin Wright who did most yeah. of the stuff with uh, with uh, Quincy Jones from yes. time to time, and he did a lot of arrangements for Michael Jackson. Oh really? Uh, yeah, Benjamin Wright was, and, and of course he worked earlier with Temptations and a lot of right, Motown right. artists in his career. And they even now have at Berkeley School of Music. I says for years they've been using Benjamin Wright's model of arranging for pop, for popular bands. Really? So they use his concept for doing it, and he's he's a learned strings by himself. Matter of fact, Benjamin taught himself by just doing what we do today with YouTube and it wasn't YouTube. He right. Would, he would find out if there was a place who would send you these things back. Right. And he would get his kind of a correspondence course type he thing. He would get his stuff together. Right. For, oh, wow. For, for, wow. From, uh, Berkeley and other places. Yeah, yeah. But they found it. He's one of the masters. But, but I knew him and so we would bring these people in and I remember Dave Hampton telling the students, okay, your next Here's your assignment, and he fired 
probably all of them the first within the first five to ten minutes of their introduction to the studio. He said, well, he said, no, you're fired. He said, you're fired. And he would go back and tell them why you're fired. And he tell, told them my apprenticeship was bringing coffee in and sneaking in a, a room over and over and over until they let me in that studio. And he said, one day, I had watched them so much and done it when they had a, something happen. I forgot it was a, somebody got sick or something. And they said, well, man, we got to postpone. He said, he stepped up and said, I can do that. And they said, you... So they gave him an opportunity. He said, that's the point that all students need to understand. It's about the opportunities will come. Right, he right. Said, but will but you, you got to be ready. Well, will you be prepared? Right. Exactly. And to so step students, up and do it. The yeah. students yeah. learn. I mean, they, and he's like, and he asked an important question once. He, he asked and said, well, how many studios do you think are in L.A.? And so the students gave out these numbers. And he said, if you look in the phone book, he said roughly about four to five thousand. He said, he said in the listed in the phone book, and they was coming up with numbers like about you know two or three hundreds like that. Yeah. He said, no, he said everybody's got a studio. Everybody. Oh yeah. And he yeah. said, and that was the time that when when technology was on the rise, everybody right. could find these ways of doing what they needed to do. And now it's probably even more prolific. Oh, yeah. and, and, Every bedroom out there has, yeah, has, has a you studio. Know, you got a computer and some software. Yeah, many, right. many of, the, many of the, the, the rap groups made that real. Right. They, they, yeah, made, they, they made it real and made money yeah. doing it. And, and, and it became now it's such a, a standard thing, you know, so you're not sure who's, who's doing what right. anymore. There's so right. much going on, but that's a part of it. Before we turn you loose into your weekend, how about uh, let's, how about play a little bit for okay. us, if you well, don't I'll mind? Do, yeah, yeah, I, yeah I, I'm sitting there thinking too, but what could I do that makes sense? But I, <laughs> but, I, uh, but I, I always remember, you know, the, the one of the, the famous movies that came out and the, the, the Wizard of Oz, uh -huh. and the song that got cut from the actual thing, Harold Allen. They said, well. They were going to cut the song based on the fact that, from what I read, the intro was too long. Da da da. So the producer was saying, "We just we can go from here." But can you imagine the movie without somewhere with a rainbow? That they oh actually, no, wow! Not, not at all. They were going to cut that. <laughs> wow. Cut? Well, that was a part of it. So he came back with a different arrangement. Say, "Well, we can start here. You don't need all the verses." Oh, yeah. oh okay. So and they. It was popular that those guys wrote verses with all of their choruses, and yeah. people don't maybe don't hear those. But I, you know, some great singers always learn the choruses, whether yeah. they actually knew them or not. Right. But maybe. Yeah. Uh, maybe I'll try it. Yeah, let's give it a go. Let's see what happens. All right. Thank <laughs> you. 
Oh, that's wonderful. That's absolutely wonderful. Yeah. That was a cool rendition of Somewhere Over the Rainbow. Absolutely. Man. That's the way it should be. Mostly melody. Yeah. But that's all right there. Yeah. Uh, most Fridays and Saturdays, Alfonso can be found at the Napa Cafe there at 5101 Sanderlin. Uh, 6 to 9 p.m. Old man friendly hours. Yeah, you can go early and uh, have you some fun, have you a bite to eat. A lot of beautiful people. Come yeah, in, yeah. So. Well, that'll be fantastic. Are you going to be there uh, tonight and tomorrow? You yeah, tonight and tomorrow night. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you have, have all kind of people drop through. I've been surprised by... Some very interesting people. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, I would imagine so. Yeah. yeah. David Moore usually drops through from time to time. Oh, that's good. Special guests. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, if you don't happen to catch him uh, this weekend, you can go. Well, just call in advance. You know, call. You know, you're there most weekends. Yeah, so. most, most weekends. Call in advance to verify and uh, get on over to the Napa Cafe and enjoy an evening uh, of some great music with uh, Alfonso Sanders. Thank you so much. No, thank you. This, this was a pleasure, no, man. This my pleasure. Thank, thank you so much. I, 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 Mark, Mark came into my life, and we've been connected ever since, you know, through the B.B. King symposium. Yeah, yeah. Had him down, you know, to, to be on the panel, discussions of things about you know, Memphis and yeah, right. what they were doing with the Blues Society. So, man, thank you, Mark, for, for you know, inviting me. If you are ever need the itch to come talk and hang out, you are more than Please. welcome. I'll, this I'll studio is open to you. I, I might yes. start making this a regular day. Do, Please do, man. Yeah. Do. I'll come through when I'm in town. Yeah. And I, I really want to follow through now with the recording project. Yeah, what well, we were talking about earlier. Yeah, yeah. yeah we can we can make some stuff happen All here. Right. So Beautiful. Yeah. I like it. There you go. All right, we will pause here. We'll be back on the way. Uh, so the usual elements and stuff. I've got the other two songs uh, from you, Alfonso. I'm going to go ahead and play them anyway. Well, Say Thanks is, is one that uh, that I have uh, some young kids from the uh, Boys and Girls Club yeah. out of the Delta. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, they had a lot of fun on that thing. That's cool, man. Yeah. Well, That's we'll, really cool. We'll play that right out of the break then. So so there you go. Yeah. Have a good Easter, my friend. Oh, thank you. Yes. Man. Thank you. The proceeding was produced by Pirate Radio Studios Incorporated and originally aired live on Radio Memphis. Any offers or advertisement contained may not still be valid. All rights are reserved and copyright is held by Pirate Radio Studios Incorporated, Memphis, Tennessee. For more, look for all the RMOD players at radio-memphis.com. <laughs>